Blog Talk Radio.
Hello, welcome to my show. This is the Becoming Be Lifestyle Radio. Show. Can you hear me? 
Yes. Okay. I am having severe technical difficulties today, but I am your host, Letitia Dorsey Magaha. I'm a certified life coach, and I welcome everybody to our show. It is Wednesday, February the 28th. It is the 9 o'clock hour. If you are listening tonight and you want to join into the conversation, dial 516-453-9110 and press 1 to talk. Um, and I will pat you in. If you are calling from a T-Mobile number, dial 971-379-9537. You can also join us in the chat and blog talk. Um, If you go to blog talk radio, go to the Hilltop Radio Show, and there is a chat room there for your questions. If you're questioning your next move in life, you need a different perspective to see your relationships, or if you're trying to work some things out, you're running out of ideas, I am a certified life coach with plenty of experience and client results. Reach out to me on my website, becomingexcellentb.com. Hit the initial consultation tab and get a free 15-minute assessment of your situation conversation to see if this is right for you. We are still at the top of the year. There is plenty of time to get moving in the right direction. I want to welcome my co-host tonight, Antonio Magaha. How you doing? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. Um, So this is the final, what, final two days of Black History Month. Uh, Have you learned anything in the last couple Mm -hmm couple of days since our last show? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's some things I, that I've learned. Um, I guess more, most importantly, understanding that we still got a long way to go. <laughs> you know what I mean? We still got a lot to, uh, lot to do. So, um, but, uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of where I'm at right now with it, more or less. Right. Yeah, definitely have, definitely, definitely have a lot to do. Um, I am super excited. I'm super excited about tonight's guest. Tonight's guest, the Reverend Hadari Williams. He is a native of Lakewood, New Jersey, a graduate of Francis Marion University, where he earned his Bachelor's of Arts degree in political science. He is also a graduate of the Interdenominational Theological Center Johnson C. Smith in Atlanta, Georgia, where he earned his Master's of Divinity degree. Reverend Williams is an alumnus of the Black Theology and Leadership Institute of Princeton Theological Seminary and the Advanced Executive Leadership Program of Howard School of Business. Reverend Williams is currently pursuing his Ph.D. in Community Liberation Indigenous and Echo Psychologies at Pacifica Graduate Institute in Santa Barbara, California. He has served on the pastoral staff for the First African Presbyterian Church of Lithonia, Georgia, and Abundant Life Fellowship Church of Camden, South Carolina. Co-pastor at Elmwood Presbyterian Church, Orange, New Jersey, and currently the pastor of New Life Presbyterian Church in the city of South Fulton, and the director of South Fulton Community Lifeline Incorporated. 
Reverend Williams also serves as an adjunct professor at the Interdenominational Theological Center, also known as ITC. Reverend Williams is married to his college sweetheart and television personality, Nikel A. Williams of Somerton, South Carolina, a Francis Marion University and CAU graduate. They are the proud parents of Asad Hashem. Did I say that correct? Yes. Asim Hassan and Asa Hakeem Williams. Welcome to our show, Pastor Williams. How are you this evening? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, I'm looking forward to the opportunity to join you all on the show and to have uh, some good dialogue. So thank you. You can't hear? Um, Trying to make sure. We have some listeners. If you are listening and you can't hear, push that one So and let me know or get in the chat to know, uh, so let me know if you can hear or you can't hear. If everything's okay, let me know that too. If you are a friend of mine, text me. Let me know that you can or cannot hear. All right. You know, uh, the thing that I found about this radio show is it goes by super fast. It It's it's fast moving. And so um, we're just going to get this dialogue started. Um, Pastor Williams, he is, I, you can correct me if, I, if I'm wrong, but when I think of your messages, because we, we come to the church, um, Antonio, he sings, um some Sundays there, when I come and I listen to your messages, the word that comes to mind is liberation, liberation, um, liberation theology. What, how, what, how would you respond to that as a, as an impression, someone's impression? Uh, yes, my, my, my preaching and teaching is centered in Black Liberation Theology, um, which itself comes out of Liberation Theology, which is uh, which was developed in South America uh, by many of those great Latin American theologians um, who were fighting some of the same capitalistic systems and empires that we find ourselves in America encountering. Uh, What makes it Black liberation theology is that (laughs) it has been uh, germane to the Black context in which we live in America. Uh, Although we have similarities with our Latin brothers and sisters, uh, there is definitely a different kind of beast that exists in America that has been trying to uh, devour Black people uh, since the since the days we arrived upon these shores, so black theology is an understanding of how do we see God in the midst of all of that struggle, and we see God as a liberator. And black liberation is a pathway towards that liberation. So yes, you would consider my preaching. I hope my preaching that um, is heard is identified with black liberation theology. So, and I know um, we talked three things, you know, there were a couple of subjects that um, 
that um, that we mentioned uh, that we were going to talk about. But I think it's really important to start with the foundation um, for people who are listening and maybe they've never heard of what black liberation theory is um, and why is it important to our community? Why is it important mm-hmm. to our community? Yeah, so, you know, black liberation theology, first of all, <clears throat> there are two individuals who could be coined with um, sort of bringing this theology to the forefront, and that's Dr. James Cone as well as um, Dwight Hopkins. Um, you know, this theology emerged uh, particularly in the context of the civil rights movement in the 1950s and 60s. Um, and it, and it's, since its inception, it's had a profound impact on the black church by shaping our social, political, and economic views um, in, in, in the world. You know, there, there, would, there would not really be um, a civil rights movement if there was not uh, a black liberation theology, even though the, the term in, it was coined uh, sort of after the movement started, but black people seeing themselves as uh, important and uh, valued in the eyes of God it is what black liberation theology is about. It is identifying um, with, the, with, with the oppressed. Black liberation theology emphasizes the identification of Jesus Christ with the oppressed and, and centering mm-hmm. Jesus in a community that was despised, was rejected. You know, when, when the question was asked, mm-hmm. what, what good could come from Nazareth? Um, what they are saying is what, what, what good could come out of that black ghetto? Um, you know, that, that's what yeah. we identify with when we say, we place Jesus in the context of the oppressed. He was born to a single mother. He was born um, mm-hmm. into an impoverished state. Um, his community was under the threat of, of a larger empire, built its wealth on the backs of, of, of human uh, slave labor. Um, and Jesus spends his life uh, working in that community to bring about uh, some freedom for, 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 for those people. So black liberation theology situates Jesus in that context. And unlike, mm-hmm. you know, white evangelical uh, Christianity or Eurocentric Christianity, they pull Jesus out of that context. They make Jesus something totally different because to put Jesus in that context would to would begin to challenge the very systems um, that have hijacked Christianity um, in in today's world. Mm-hmm. So seeing him as a figure who stands in solidarity with those who suffer under the oppressed. Uh, one of my uh, favorite preachers, Augustus um, Jones, out of New York, um, you know, would, would would have the the the, the saying to say that um, the God whom we serve is a God uh, who who is on the side of the oppressed. It is the God who, who laid the plagues upon Egypt to free those um, who found themselves uh, in bondage and had them to mark their doorposts so that the death angel would pass over. It's the same God who allowed them to, 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 to traverse the Reed Sea. 
So, so that's the, you know, that belief and understanding is what gave us the power to traverse the challenging times we've experienced as a people in this country. And it's been vital to who we are um, mm-hmm. as people. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, in, in, in that being vital, you know, because the questions that are coming up, you know, now about the black church, the extinction or the extinction of the black church, um, how do you feel about that when people say, you know, the church as it stood no longer stands in the same position. It's not doing the things that it, it did for black people or for people in general that it used to, uh, the corruption and uh, people going to church and not feeling included, um, feeling like it's a, 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 a their clique and I don't belong mm. here where it, that's not what it was. How do you feel about that? Well, you know, the first thing is the black church has never been monolithic. It's it's never been one, you know, we can't categorize all black churches as being liberation minded. Um, mm. There are a lot of black churches that never even had liberation on their mind. Um, that mm. Those are the black churches who, who stood in opposition to Dr. King. Uh, who sided with white folk and said he was a troublemaker. Um, you know, there there were always those outliers who stood on the periphery because they were um, too afraid to engage in this kind of prophetic work. Um, so I understand when people say the black church um, and they lump it all in together. What I will say is that the prophetic black church um, has has become victim uh, of a capitalistic society that has created a a new kind of Christian, um, mm. a Christian consumer. Um, people mm. show up to church the same way they show show up to to Walmart, um, mm. and if their product mm-hmm. is not there, then they have no desire to shop there. Um, you know, if, if, if what they're looking to consume is not present, then they will find somewhere else to go. Uh, the prophetic black church was never created for that purpose. The, the prophetic black church, people came to those spaces recognizing it's not about what I can get, but it's about what I've come here to give um, and my gifts in greater abundance. Um, it, it is it is people realizing that they've come to the church to exercise their their discipleship and to uh, as the old folk would say um, to work out their own soul salvation um, and and to yeah. put their hands to the gospel plow um, to to better their community and I think a lot of that is missing today because. We've become so consumer-based, and it was it was heard early in the years when people would say, you know, I'm just not fed. I'm not fed. I'm not fed. Um, as if the only importance of church is for you to sit down at a table and gorge on whatever is presented before you. You know, these gluttonous Christians um, who eat, 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 uh, but never prepare the meal, um, and 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 that 
has what that's been the biggest impediment, in my opinion, for the black prophetic church, which has led to the erosion of our community. So we have these large, mm. we have mm. these large churches with uh, revolving doors of, of people who come in. But if you look at the community surrounding them, you don't really see the work being done because we no longer know mm-hmm. how to engage mm-hmm. in that communal impact work that our ancestors in pockets across this country perfected when they built institutions, when they uh, created what they recognized was a void. When they saw it wasn't there, they galvanized the people and created it. Uh, Whether it was in the basement of the church that later evolved into a major institution, if it was a hospital or whatever the case may be, that black prophetic tradition first day. Um, Again, you are uh, listening You are listening to Be Lifestyle Radio Uh, Our host this evening is the Reverend Hadari Williams If you are listening, if you want to call in Dial 516-459-1110 and press 1 Caller 404-789, you're you're on Hey, I'm sorry, it's, um, it's been taking a few minutes to to get on, um, uh, awesome, awesome um, content. To be honest with you, and I want to applaud you for what you're doing. Um, it's kind of a deja vu, oh, a deja vu moment for me. Um, I remember doing something like this about 15 years ago. But anyway, um, so it's amazing. But anyway, um, I want to. Oh, I apologize. My name is uh, Jimmy Fair. Hey, how are you? How are you this evening? Thank what's you for up, joining Pierce? our show tonight. What's going on? Uh, what's going on, Mr. God? I, I wanted to come through and, and, and show some love and, and and thank y'all for uh, uh, creating this type of content um, on an open platform. And so I wanted to come through, got got getting out of class, um, and uh, here I am. But anyway, um, and thank you for the chance again. Um, but I kind of wanted to. Um, I'm a, I'm a PK. Spent all my life in the church. Um, I, I, I'm I'm comfortable to say no longer following any of the Abrahamic faith, um, but um, my love for the text as literature is is still ever present present in my life. Um, and so, but I wanted to because yet uh, we're talking about the liberation theology and. And I'm, I was curious, is this only and strictly based upon Christian theology when we talk about the modern uh, introduction of this information? Is it just from the Christian's perspective, or are we kind of, have we brought in it? Well, black liberation theology has evolved. So Dr. Dr. Cohn First of all, let me ask the question. Yes, it's situated in Christianity, um, and but it has evolved in the sense that um, scholars after Dr. Cohn um, understood that Dr. Cohn's theology, it was intentional or just a product of his culture, was very male-centric, and it didn't speak to the plight of the black woman. It, it talked about the oppressed but it didn't narrow in on 
the burden of the black woman in an oppressed situation, much like the Bible doesn't really speak to the to the oppression of women. So out of black theology comes what we call womanist theology, Dolores Williams and many of those other powerful women theologians. Uh, they kind of kicked back at Dr. Cohn, and he welcomed the kickback and, and, and actually affirmed the creation of womanist theology. Now, womanist theology is different than feminist theology because feminist theology focuses primarily on white, the white woman's context. Mm-hmm. Yep. But womanist theology right. centers on black women. Now, the reason it's really Christian-based is I will partly say, and this is just, this is just my assessment, uh, our Muslim brothers and sisters had a different kind of uh, liberation approach in the Islamic faith. Um, they were black nationalists and liberationists long before a lot of our um, Christian communities were. You know, so the yeah. And I, I wanted to chime in. I wanted to kind of chime in and literally kind of uh, elaborate too on basically what your your statement was. Now I did want to go back to something you had just mentioned. And and we're talking about in the scriptures, um, and I know you, you you're you're pretty much a scholar in the field, and I know you un- understand that the uh, the term when we're talking about white centric, the term theo is Latin, um, because that was a term one of the terms for God theo. Um, theo is also the root word for theory. Um, if you spell out theory. And if you spell out theo, I mean, theo, theo or theology, um, theories are not confirmation of facts. They're not a fact. So theory, theology are all the same Greek term. Now, on top of that, the, the Greek scholar of the New Testament, um, which would be the Apostle Paul, uh, which would be the person who said, my revelation of Christ um, that was given to me by no man. Um, and also we know if we've, and I know you've done in-depth studies, we know that Paul's writings are before Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and Mark being the oldest out of the four. So in all honesty, the Pauline epistles should be the beginning of the New Testament and then the four, uh, the four according to text um, should be after. And according doesn't mean written by According means somebody is according and recording are almost the same. So somebody recorded it based on somebody else's words. But Paul makes a statement, a very important statement. I think it's Corinthians. I can't remember where, where he says that uh, a woman should one keep her head closed and two keep her mouth closed in the church. And if she has questions, she should go home and ask her husband. Now, I do understand that the letter of Paul, or Paul's letters were written to the Corinthians or the Romans or those people. And to me, I look at them as, as a little bit, uh, I would say, against the law, because if you open somebody's mail and read it today, that's a, a federal offense. So the letters that we are reading from Paul are not letters to the African, the Kushite, the so-and-so people. It's only specifically to that Euro-Asia people. So how is the feminist perspective 
dealing dealing with the writings of Paul when Paul seemingly, to my opinion, is telling a woman to know her place and it is to be quiet and go to her husband. The Pastor, I don't Pastor know. Williams. Yeah, I won't. I won't say so much. The uh, I would say from the womanist perspective. So the womanist perspective would critique what Paul says um, and okay. challenge challenge Paul's view of women and understand that Paul's view of women is situated or whoever the writer is. It could be a pseudo writer of that particular yeah. text, um, but would would challenge Paul's writing and encourage today's reader to see that that's written in a context where women mm-hmm. had no value and no place. You know, mm-hmm. uh, okay. there was no legal recourse if you assaulted a woman or if you exactly. raped a woman. She was, so property. she was property. She was property. She was property. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Th- th- you know, womanist theology would point that out and then point us back to whether or not we believe that aligns with who God is and, and what is God's intention for God's creation. Does God intend, you know, it, we, we could go back to the Old Testament uh, when, when uh, they came and requested the visitor to come out of the house uh, and, the, and the father offered up the daughter. And then the Bible says they, mm-hmm. they raped her all night long and cut her body up into pieces. Uh, or their body was later cut up into pieces and sent out. You know, we have to ask ourselves, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> what is the God we know? What is what is God's view of that? Um, it, does God mm-hmm. condone that? Did God was God okay with that with that woman being treated in that manner? Uh, that's what womanist theology would mm-hmm. push us to wrestle with. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, now we, we uh, also, let, I think. Let me ask. I'm a- sorry. I'm, Go ahead. I'm sorry. Let me ask a, a quick question. So, or make uh, what I have found, um, because there are people who take, there's something that you said a few weeks ago, um, Pastor Williams, and I can't quote you, but uh, I think it was at the beginning of the month. There are people who take the Bible as static word for word, jot, snore, tittle, do you rearrange, change, reinterpret, reimagine, expand at all, that isn't necessarily your viewpoint. Uh, Am I correct? No, it's not. You know, I grew up in a tradition where you didn't question the text. Um, You didn't add nothing. You didn't take nothing away. You know, that's that's how, that's what I was taught. Um, but it wasn't until I sat in other spaces, particularly in the spaces of the Jewish rabbinical tradition, where where they are sitting daily in constant dialogue with the text, and they are never saying what they are reading is infallible. Um, they are constantly trying to find meaning in the biblical text. Whereas we were told to read it literally, accept everything as it was mm-hmm. as truth and mm-hmm. God's word, mm-hmm. these folks sit, and I and I point to them because a lot of us like to 
you know, identify them as the, this is, this is their tradition. This is their faith. Um, but the way in which they have been cultured to wrestle, to dialogue, to debate the meaning of the text, because they understand the, the, the human influence on the biblical text um, is something that most black church traditions have not been taught. So as I've evolved over the years, I understand that there's something, and this is just my terminology, and I, I may have grabbed this in seminary, but um, there's Bible, and then there's then there's mm. Holy Scripture. Um, mm. And for me, Bible, um, as we know, this canon that was created, that doesn't consist of all of the books that could have been included. These mm-hmm. are just the books that uh, right. some folks sat around and decided would be put together. Um, mm-hmm. That's Bible for me. What becomes Holy Scripture is that which I read and it forms me spiritually. And in that formation, I experience the power of God as it is taking mm-hmm. place. There are some texts I read where God ain't, ain't in it. Um, mm-hmm. We want to put God in it. But in my assessment, God is not in it. But there are some where I can clearly feel because of discernment, prayer, and the spirit of God that dwells on the inside of every one of us, it aligns mm-hmm. with that. And and that connection but, is made. Um and, and you know, and, and true I I can share in that uh, my dad let me see, I'm forty two. My dad was he did his trial sermon in nineteen seventy nine. Um, my entire youth from I don't know, I was baptized at five. <laughs> you know, and, and, and I was uh, um, a very uh, a person for the word of God up until about three years ago. I meant for the Bible. Um, but the Bibliophilios, or the Book of the Sun, which is the name in Latin, which is where the King James Version uh, derives from due to um, uh, Martin Luther's uh, uh, his uh, ultimatum to the Catholic Church and then his trial at Worms. Um, Martin Luther revolutionized what the the book that we are talking about. He translated it from Latin, which was only only of maybe less than five percent of people could read, and the only person who could really read that read the book was the Pope, and he translated it. Who he was a German um, priest translated it into German for German people who could not read it, which. Martin Luther would would have been one of ninety nine or one of all of those people who could read the text even after Germany because most of the world um, at this particular time is ignorant. Now, when we talk about writing or the the books of the Bible or its infallibility or its uh, differences and changes, and I understand anybody who's gone to seminary knows that Job is the oldest book of the Bible and that the first Hebrew is Abraham. And so Job, when he is talking about uh, his revelation, which is opens up in Job 1, where it says, you know, I'm the Lord God, and, you know, or the Lord God, and I sit among the gods, and, and, or in the council among the gods, meaning one of many, not the supreme one. Um, and mind you, Job, technically speaking, would have been existing in the power time of the the Egyptians or the Babylonians or Syrians, I'm sorry. And so Job 
is not is not a is not a Jew. So Job doesn't worship Jehovah. He would have more than likely been like worshiping someone like Ahura Mazda. You know, the name Mazda, the car comes from a you know Ahura Mazda, one of those gods. So, and we also know that um, God doesn't really. Uh, I'm sorry, the God of the Old Testament doesn't like women. And how do we know this? Um, when Eve, uh, based on the mythological story, when Eve takes the fruit, um, what God does to Eve after they have fallen, he says, and you will be in labor pain. You're going to hurt to give birth. That's your, that's your sin. That's your punishment. Um, we know that the devil was made to stop crawling on fours and squiggle across the ground. And Job would have to live, not Job, um, Adam would have to live from the sweat of his brow. So, but then God, there's a contradictory thing in in the Torah. He tells, he goes to Moses. Moses goes up and he writes the Ten Commandments. Awesome. And in those Ten Commandments, he says, "Thou shalt not kill." But then, when when Moses wrote himself as being uh, a, a dead man, you know, because Moses supposedly wrote the Torah in the last book of the is Moses is dead, um, wrote, writes this, what, did, what happens next? Joe, Joe, Joshua, I think it was the Battle of Ai, or one of those battles, it would have been another one, was told to kill all the women and children, wipe them out, leave none. Not so, to mention all of the people that were flooded. So what I'm saying is, if, we, if we're to do this, how do we overlook the lack of accountability on the murdering of innocent people. Well, we don't. Which, uh, uh, Pastor Williams, we're going to take a small break. I want you to think about that. And that's a good transition piece to our next topic of this Palestinian war. Uh, we're going to take a small break, and we are going to come back with our guests, and we're going to talk about how do we reconcile War, murder, and God. We'll be right back. Brother, there's far too many of you dying. You know we've got to find a way to bring some love here today. Father, Father, we don't need to escalate. See, war is not the answer. For only love can conquer You know we've got to find a way to bring some love and kiss here today. Pick it light and pick it fast. Don't punish me with brutality. Talk to me so you can see. Oh, what's going on? What's going on? What's going on? 
Yo, this is singer-songwriter Antonio Magaha, and you are now tuned in to B-Radio. Peace. All right. Welcome back um, to B-Lifestyle Radio. I am your host, Leticia Dorsey Magaha, and we are live today with our special guest, Pastor Hodari Williams. If you are wanting to call in and, and you have something that you want to say, give us a call at 516 516- Four five three nine one one zero. Press one, and I will catch you right in. Um, so before we took our musical break, we uh, one of our guests, um, callers, he kind of brought up the um, the conflict, I guess, of of war, murder, in a context of spirituality and. And God, Pastor Williams, how, what, what say you to this subject? Well, I think the the last comment before we broke, uh, really, as you as you pointed out, is a segue into uh, a very good conversation uh, around the biblical text and its um its genocidal um references in 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 scripture uh i i he, he mentioned uh one particular case but there's also the case of the canaanites um who who we never hear their side of the story all we know is somebody went into their land mm-hmm. spied and decided that it belonged to them and according to them the deity told them to kill all the women and children and possess the land mm-hmm. um what liberation theology would have us to do is to think about those dispossessed and uh, murdered people um, and to question the biblical text, to, to, to not be afraid to preach against the text in our understanding of who mm-hmm. God is. Um, and because the black church and the church in general, not just the black church, but um, the church in general has failed to to do that. The biblical text has been used to carry out 
atrocities across the globe um, mm-hmm. because people have not been willing to push back against, um, you know, the whole issue of slavery and the whole issue of what is happening currently in Israel and Palestine. You know, what you have happening mm-hmm. in Palestine um, is being hidden under the guise of Christianity because the Jewish mm-hmm. community mm-hmm. has for years um, been on a campaign to align its genocidal behavior with Christian principles and has begged, you know, many times sought out the allegiance of the Christian church to support um, the decimation of, of, of indigenous people of that land. Um, you have a group of European Jews who are granted land that is not theirs and supported by a larger empire uh, that fuels them um, with weapons to decimate, um, you know, women and children uh, for the possession of land. Mm -hmm. And because we've been taught to read the Bible in that way, people will excuse it as Mm -hmm. God's will. Um, When we have to question whether or not that aligns with who we know God to be. And see, that becomes the challenge for many people because they've been not they've not been taught to read against and to challenge the text. To say, you know what? That does not align with who I believe God to be. That doesn't align with the theology that says God um is not murderous. God is not genocidal mm-hmm. um in, in God's mm-hmm. behavior. So yeah. Pastor Williams, why do you think it's so difficult for individuals to challenge those thoughts and those ideas as it, as it, as it pertains to murder and, and, and those things? Why, why, why do you think it's so difficult? You know, it's just, I think it's difficult because change is difficult for people. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. That means you now have to, you have to reshape who you've always been. This is a struggle right. that I, as mm-hmm. a pastor, have had pastoring people when you're introducing Mm -hmm. these new ideas, because it means Mm -hmm. now I have to rethink how I've been taught all Mm -hmm. my life. And if I'm really old, I don't want to do that kind of work. Just let me go on. Mm -hmm. You know, um, and for younger people who are, who are uh, unable to do that work, it is because they have been, they've been fettered to tradition. They've been, chained and balled to tradition Mm -hmm. and been Mm -hmm. taught to fear Mm -hmm. that if they reject that tradition, that somehow um, their souls would be eternally lost. It's that fear Mm -hmm. tactic that has kept Mm -hmm. so many people down in these situations. Mm -hmm. I I wanted to, well, I I want to get back to um, the Palestinian war, but in that being tethered to fear, There are, okay, so the young people today, right, the young people are out there. They are the ones who are not tethered at all to this tradition of Christianity post-slavery, but they are reaching back further and being um, condemned for picking up traditional African spirituality. What are your thoughts Mm -hmm. about that? You know, that's that's just another tool of the colonizer. Um, you know, 
in the process of colonization, we were dehumanized, we were despiritualized, um, and in the process of despiritualizing the people, what you had to teach them, especially when they realized that our spirituality was powerful, um, you had to teach them that their spirituality was demonic. You had to make them hate their spirituality and their cultural context and and love yours more than they you know more than they would love their own and, and that's what we mm-hmm. have now we we have a and it's it's funny too that our Africanism still show up we don't want to identify them as that that's right but <laughs> oh yeah they still show up oh, catching the holy in, Ghost. in spaces because yeah, yeah there you go it's it's in us right. um yeah. And and we won't identify it as that. You'll have people like uh, Marvin Winans who will say, you know, ain't no African. That's that's all voodoo, hoodoo. They don't understand voodoo mm. and hoodoo. They don't understand mm. the the powerful spiritual ways in which our people believe that if they could pray something, mm-hmm. they could will it into mm-hmm. existence. Um, right. Right. That's right. You know, they, they well, don't we call manifestation our, right now. Yes. Don't understand that our people could be in such communion with nature that nature would reveal the healing remedies we needed to survive. Wow. You know, um, That's right. Uh, one example I, I often give is when I traveled to Ghana, this is how in tune our people were with nature. There's a plant that if I touch with my finger, it will withdraw itself and shrivel up. Wow. The the ancestors mm. in Africa used that plant as a mechanism for uh, understanding whether a foreigner was in proximity to the village. Mm. Because oh, wow. they knew not to touch the plant, but that's how they knew the slave capture, the uh, captors were near. If that plant, they, they called it the original security system. If that plant was shut down and folded in, they knew that there was a foreign entity in place. So, I mean, all of these different ways in which we use um, uh, our surroundings and our spirituality to shape us, they taught us uh, to, to hate. Um, and now our people are realizing that was a tool of the oppressor. And we're returning to those powerful, those powerful spaces. For, for our healing and wholeness um, uh-huh. and, and spiritual growth. I, you know, and this is, I told, um, I told my husband like uh, maybe a month, month and a half ago, I really, this is before um, I asked you to come on the show. You know, you mentioned a Bible verse earlier about, um, seek, you know, seeking out your soul salvation, working out your soul salvation and fear and trembling. And those of us who, um, like the guest caller, who have grown up in the church, I'm not a PK, but I definitely grew up in the church, um, went to a Christian, white Christian school from third grade to eighth grade, and have absolutely been inundated with um, white theology. Wanted to go to um, seminary. I went to seminary for a minute. I wanted to go to ICC, but was discouraged from going there because they were not, they were uh, intellectual. 
more than spiritual. Hmm. So at the time that I was told, and so I did not go there. I went somewhere else. But I've been on a journey myself for my entire life, and my connection to God is very, very personal and very, very real in ways that, you know, at this point in my life, I know, like I said earlier, I know the Spirit of God inside of me and what the Spirit of God inside of me says. But, mm-hmm. you know, the difference between um, seeking out God through all avenues, intellectually, spiritually, all the avenues, and not being afraid of what you come up with, not being afraid, is so liberating. It's, it's such a freeing opportunity to see God in everything versus God being in a box, in this one right. little small box. And the more you understand that how can an infinite God be in a small box that only that you understand and that you um, lay hold to and you and this is it, this is the only way, this is the way, because he said I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. But you haven't even explored the, like uh, our caller said, you haven't broken down anybody's text. You haven't translated it in its native uh, language. You're not looking at it in context of who was being spoken to. Mm-hmm. How do you, how can you reconcile that with people? Like, you know, because everybody's not an intellectual. And that's, that's okay, too. But how do we move people forward in this, in this where we are, on this plane that we are now? How do we move them forward and uh, get them to have, like you said in the beginning, because it's about community. And, and the mm-hmm. black church is losing community because of the commercialism, because uh, I, I watched that. We, we watched that. Um, we watched that show the um, gospel uh, documentary, and I, mm. I went on and listened to some other things, but there was a gentleman who said in a, uh, in a commentary about that, that the commercialization of gospel is impacting the spiritual dimension of all of it, of the music and everything. And how do people, they don't even realize. They don't even realize that they are really into the commercialism of it, the capitalism of it, and we're losing the community as a whole. I know for myself, I, I wasn't really church. I got tired of church. I'm like, as it's been. Well, you catch me on the right day, I might be tired too. Um, <laughs> uh, but I, I think I think you're spot on. I think you're spot on. And you know what's happening in in Christian music um, is no different than what happened to hip hop. Um, hmm. Wow. You know. Wow. There, there are people, we don't like to look at it like this because nobody wants to be deemed a conspiracist, you know, or engaged in conspiracy theories. But there are people who look at trends, who look at the power yeah. Yeah. that mm-hmm. things have, mm-hmm. and they come in and exploit it and take advantage of it. Um, That's right. We all can look at the evolution of hip-hop. Not all hip-hop was was conscious, but it wasn't like it is now. 
Um, That's right. You know, uh, gospel music it, it was 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 selling because of its connection to black people, and somebody stepped in and said, you know, let's 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 do this thing different, and um, mm-hmm. let's money off of it. And and that's what happened. But again, it's, it was another one of our tools. See, this is what happens when we lose our tools. You know, mm. or consciousness mm-hmm. in its inception to black folks struggling in the ghetto. And I did a whole Bible study series on the connection between black liberation theology and hip hop because it's, mm. there's some similarities and connections. Hip-hop was very prophetic. It was standing in the public square telling people what's going on at the grassroots level. Mm -hmm. Um, No different than the prophets who stood and called out the injustices that was going on in their community. And gospel music was a a bomb, (laughs) as I can use the text, was a bomb in Gilead to suffering Mm -hmm. of black people. Mm -hmm. And it it kept people strong when they should have been collapsing under the weight of mm. oppression. Mm. And somebody mm. saw that and said, let's make some money off of it. Um, mm. And now you have That's this right. diluted, um, you know, version of what I call Usher gospel, because you don't know what you're listening to at the time. Um, and and it's been all for the purposes of making profit. But I want to go back to what you earlier yeah. said about the, the whole spirit and mind piece because that in and of itself was another tool of colonization. For us to remove our mind from the spiritual uh, the, the spiritual movement of God you know, as if they need to be separate. That's, uh, that's wow. more of a, a Greek dualism where we have to divide ourselves, our mind and our spirit. When in totality, God created all of this together to work together, you know, right. and the same people will turn right. around and say, let this mind be in you that was also mm-hmm. in Christ Jesus. The mind right. became the emphasis, not the spirit of Jesus, but the mm-hmm. mind, um, mm-hmm. you know, um, mm-hmm. you know, be not conformed to this world but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Mm -hmm. So the mind is essential to the soul, um, and they work together. Mm -hmm. But if I could tell you not to Mm -hmm. think, then I become Mm -hmm. your thoughts. If I could tell you not to think, then Mm -hmm. I become the master of your thoughts. um, And can Mm -hmm. guide you into into oppressive ways. And, And that's what the form of Eurocentric Christianity born in the slave uh, tradition uh, was designed to do for black people. Uh-huh. I, I think it's, I think that it's so obvious to me because even if you take your, the scripture and it says, you'll know a tree by the fruit that it bears. And if you look at the black uh-huh. community and you look at the uh-huh. position that the black community is in, Mex- uh-huh. And I'm not dissing anybody's situation, right? But like you said earlier, we have mega churches, and if you look around the neighborhood, there's nothing. There's nothing that says the fruit that is being born is there's no fruit. And if you know a tree by the fruit that it bears, 
for me, I came to a point where I had to ask myself, in general, is the black church as it stands and what's being pushed to me, is this bearing the kind of fruit or any fruit at all, I'm not going to go just to be going. I'm not, Mm -hmm. I'm going because, like you said earlier, there's service, there are things to be done. I believe that if, if, if Jesus said on earth, bringing on earth as it is in heaven, thy kingdom mm-hmm. come on earth as it is in heaven. And it says in the, con- in, in the context that we have the power. He's given all power to us. What are we waiting for? What is, why are we waiting for something else to happen? And, and I have much, much more theory, but I we don't have enough time. But we're sitting around looking to the sky when you've been given the power to make heaven on earth and it's not being done and we're and you're just sitting there. And I don't have that's not I'm not built like that. If if they're we're gonna raise more have more fish dinners for the church fund, I don't that's I'm not interested yeah. in that anymore. I'm not interested in doing that no, anymore. No. Um, nope, nobody is. Miracle signs and wonders that that we that I've seen and I've been a participant of. I'm into that. I, let's get that popping. We live in Atlanta, where the homeless population is ridiculous. ridiculous. How? How yeah. so? How? How but, is it yeah. when we have churches on every corner? Yeah, I had a I had a question that um, you just kind of um, poked something when you were saying that um, Tish uh, to Pastor um, Hadari from from a, a pastoral perspective. What do you feel like the like the three biggest obstacles right now are facing um, you know the African American church from your from your standpoint or from a pastor standpoint? Um, number one, I would say uh, a viable talent pool of folk who want to do social impact work, who really want to change the community that they, that they live in. Another major piece is uh, financial resources. Um, Uh You know, Uh most people have this illusion that, you know, churches are doing so well and pastors are making so much money, but the reality Uh is Uh That that lie only represents about five percent of the church. The average mm-hmm. pastor can't take care of his family. Um, wow, can mm-hmm. barely you know make ends meet. Um, mm-hmm. That's that's the overall you know piece, and they struggle to pay for buildings they've inherited. Um, mm-hmm. You know, as a result of people being more concerned with the building than ministry. Um, mm. And then I would just, mm-hmm. you know, I would say the other piece is just the overall negative view um, of the church. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. There is, right. there is this, and I think sometimes we don't really recognize the great work that some people are doing. It's always the negative right. narrative that, that shapes mm-hmm. the, the the minds of a lot of people who say, you know, I don't want to be in, in no church because all churches, uh, you know, ain't about no good. But there are some people out here right. really doing some hard work um, mm-hmm. uh-huh. and trying to do the work. 
but just don't have the support um, mm-hmm. to get it done. And I've had to ask myself, Antonio, you know, what kept Jesus showing up? You know, mm-hmm. because when we read mm-hmm. the text, the disciples never really got it. You know, they ain't get mm-hmm. it till he left. Never. You know, and what kept him showing up? And I think what kept him showing up is he believed in the potential of his followers. Mm. And right, I believe right. in the potential mm-hmm. of the black church. I, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I've, mm-hmm. I've read and I've experienced what the black church could do when it's really focused. Um, mm-hmm. when, when people are really about about doing ministry, um, mm-hmm. how it could shake up the world. Um, and, and that's what keeps me hopeful. That's what keeps me coming back, you know, Sunday mm-hmm. after Sunday. Um, and I believe, in my opinion, that's what kept Jesus coming back, even when the people around him didn't understand him and couldn't quite, couldn't quite grasp his mission and vision. Right, right. Mm-hmm. I, I I totally I totally agree with you. I think that what has happened over this is my observation, what has happened over the years is the very thing that is told not to do is getting into these debates about and I know why we as black people do it, because looking for identity that has been stolen from us. So you mm-hmm. have to, you know, swim through the all of the lies, you know, that have been told. Because once you realize some some things have been lies, right, mm, and right, swimming through right. that, and then you just end up throwing the baby out with the bathwater and mm-hmm. not really getting to the the crux of the community part that, that church is built not to have arguments about whether or not we should worship the Bible, because that, you know, mm-hmm. that's that. Mm-hmm. There's that but that we are here to be community for one another. Um, the black church, uh, Bill Howard, and, and it's something that I was watching in a documentary about that, that documentary, the church is a place of identity, a place of encouragement, affirmation, mm-hmm. and affirmation. The black church is, a, is produced by America's original sin. And mm-hmm. when we started it out, you know, we were there to be in allegiance with one another, to power up together because, you know, if one can send, you know, a thousand, more can send tens of thousands to flight, you know, the enemy, so to speak. But now you got this person arguing whether or not, you know, the bread should be flat or round <laughs> or all these <laughs> things that have nothing to do with the important work of the community, of our community and the world at large. Mm-hmm. There are babies, like we were talking back to the Palestinian war, babies, there are people being murdered. Mm-hmm. Did, did you see the guy who set, his, um, set himself on fire? Yeah. 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 Set himself on fire about it. And you can ask black people, and they'll, they might, they are not really, I think we're afraid to even even peek our head into the door of that because we don't think that's our business. But it's very much so our business. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, right. and our trauma, our trauma too, uh, sister, mm-hmm. has has kept a lot of us 
has made a lot of us keep our head down. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Our trauma and trauma-induced experiences, you know, have taught us to to kind of um, engage in disassociative behavior, um, mm-hmm. where we just mm-hmm. we will disassociate because we don't want to be re-traumatized. Um, and some of that is mm-hmm. conscious behavior, and some of that is unconscious. That's what I was about to say. It's, yeah, yeah. We, it's a it's we, a defense yeah, mechanism to protect mm-hmm. our mm-hmm. to protect our spirits. You know, if we really look at the Palestinian people, we can see our people. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. we can mm-hmm. see our history. You know, unfolding. We can see the level of brutality that is inflicted upon people. Uh, with brown skin that would never happen with white folks. You remember, you know, what's happening Mm -hmm. in Palestine right now is what led to a world war when it was white skin in Germany being put Mm -hmm. into fires. The world was in an uproar. But right Mm -hmm. now, Mm -hmm. there's black skin in the Congo, there's there's brown skin in Palestine, is brown skin in South America mm-hmm. that's being brutalized and murdered, and the world is silent. And I think the fear is, for most black folks, is that what do I do with that? And, mm-hmm. and we don't understand our collective power um, anymore, but trauma keeps, right. us a lot, keeps a lot of us silent. You know, it's, it's like when they use the, the lynching tree to sow fear into our hearts, to keep us from rebelling as a sign to say this could be this could happen to you. You could hang from this tree. Mm-hmm. That right. trauma still resides mm-hmm. in a lot of us. That's real. That's real. Wow. So I'm we're gonna take another small break and speaking of trauma, um I would like to come back and discuss some of your experience in helping people uh let go of trauma. How does that intersect with you as a pastor, as a teacher, in the church, uh, mental health? And we'll be right back. Hello, this is Gregory Porter, and this is Take Me to the Alley, One Mic, One Take. Preparation for the king, and they line the sidewalks with every sort of shiny thing, but they will be surprised when they hear him say. Take me to the alley Take me to the afflicted one Take me to the lonely ones That somehow 
lost their way. Let them hear me say, I am your friend. Come to my table. Rest here in my garden. You. Take me to the alley Take me to the afflicted one Take me to the lonely one That somehow lost their way Let them hear me say, oh, I am your friend. Come to my table. Rest here in my garden. You will have a part.
last year Lonely one, hungry one Tired one Rest here in my garden Whoa Welcome back to Be Lifestyle Radio. I am your host, Patricia Dorsey Magaha, a certified life coach. And if you are trying to get in, we are rounding up to our last half an hour of our show. Um, we have had Pastor Hadari Williams. Um, our call-in number is 516-453-9110. If you are trying to reach us from a T-Mobile um, tower, call us at 971 971- Three seven nine nine five three seven. I want to thank you again, Pastor Williams, for joining us tonight. And uh, I know you have a lot, a uh, lot going on, and and so I'm. We're very very grateful for your um, for taking the time out. These are the kind of conversations that we have on the show um, when we talk about mental health, because as a life coach. And as a person who um, works with youth and uh, older people and women, I've had groups, uh, the degree in psychology, I understand the importance of and the, the critical importance, myself and um, Antonio, of mental health um, and, and what that means for black people and how we have gone on so long without taking care of it. Um, what, how would you describe those intersections of black people, mental health, the church? Um, what in this day in 2024? What would you? How would you speak to that that space? Well, you know, it's it, it's become more and more apparent that we 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 have to do something with our trauma we can no longer we can't afford to ignore it any longer um it is impacting the the health uh, physical and spiritual health of our communities um it is it is stunting our growth and our ability to flourish as a people um and it's just become more important and vital that we engage in collective collective healing healing practices. Um, mm. A lot of my challenges as pastor has really been centered around um, the, the fact people have not tended to their trauma, um, mm-hmm. and that trauma is transgenerational. Um, It's passed down from (laughs) generation to generation. uh, And it becomes learned behavior that people think is just a part of who we're supposed to be. Um, And people operate out of that trauma uh, and and have learned to live with it. You know, we've accommodated the trauma. 
Uh, we've we we've 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 given it a place in our life um to 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 take up space. Um and and I failed to realize the life that it is sucking from us. Mm-hmm. So engaging in you know individual counseling and 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 working with individuals and most importantly pushing people because I think this is what a lot of pastors who don't have um psychological training like like you do mm-hmm. and like I do mm-hmm. is that they fail to realize their limitations um mm. and they can't there's certain people you that are not going to benefit from pastoral counseling. They need mm. in-depth psychotherapy. They need mm. someone who is going to help them mm. <laughs> who's going to help them engage in some serious cognitive behavioral therapy that addresses mm-hmm. the trauma that they've experienced. You know, as a pastor, I can give you, you know, some tools and mindfulness and meditation. I can mm-hmm. explain to you journaling and writing, and I can give you counseling to a certain certain perspective. But there is particular uh, modalities that only trained, you know, psychotherapists and psychologists can engage um, engage folks in. So that's right. That becomes important that we teach that, that we promote that, um, that we get away from convincing people that all they need is a relationship with God and they'll be healed. You know, um, (laughs) I remember a story of a woman um, who I knew very closely, went to revival one night and was told that the Lord healed her. She didn't need to take her medicine anymore. And um, she went home and stopped taking her medicine that she took for her bipolar manic depressive condition um, and we lost her for days we didn't know where she was um, and she came she came within inches of losing her life because she heard at a revival that she was healed um, and wow. nobody told her that the healing may have come through the therapy that she was receiving you know um, wow. that God and medicine can work together um and I think mm-hmm. that that's that's a challenge in our the stigmatism around it, you know, um, around having mental illness. I, but I, I think past the stigmatism, another barrier up up, you know, it's getting better a little bit, but um, money, price, you know, yeah. uh, if you yeah. call at two hundred dollars an hour, you know, and people can't eat. And they're having trouble with groceries. It's right. really hard to navigate. Like, how do you, how do you say, you know, my mental health, but my kids gotta eat. So, yeah. you know, money has been a, a major barrier, and it's it's like mental health has been a, uh, it's more like a second a luxury. Thought, you know, hey, I know yeah. I don't. Yes, a luxury. Thank you. That that's exactly the word. Yes, a luxury. Mm-hmm versus a necessity. You're so correct. You're so correct, which is, which is why I think more churches should engage in creating. Uh, if you go downtown to some of these larger white churches, they have 
a whole wing of their church right. developed mental health and counseling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm sorry, Antonio, you were saying. No, I was going to ask, what do you, because, you know, my wife and I, we both talk about awareness um, quite a bit. And, you know, I think some of the first steps or one of the first steps in, in even moving in that direction is being aware that you even have an issue or problem um, as it relates to trauma. What do you say to the individual or individuals who don't have that awareness? Like what's the, um, I don't know how to articulate it, um, bargaining point or um, what do you utilize to get those individuals who don't have that awareness um, and having those conversations with them to, 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 you know, take that step and say, man, yeah, I need more than Jesus. I need more than prayer. I need more than, um, you know, what, what the church may offer just on a, on a basic level to be able to move towards dealing with, you know, what, you know, that deep seated trauma that you may or may not have. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's no easy answer because it's hard work. It's hard work to convince people. Mm -hmm. Um, and I won't say convince, but to facilitate right. the process of getting them mm -hmm. to understand. Because I operate from a person-centered therapy approach. I believe that okay. people inherently know when okay. they're not well and they know what they need to do to, 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 to get there. However, mm -hmm. I help facilitate by pushing them with questions and probing them okay, uh, to look deeper mm -hmm. at their experience, and and then they come to the realization, you know what, maybe I need to 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 uh, to make this decision and take this leap and get some help. Um, gotcha. And, mm -hmm. You know, the other thing too is, and there's a sister who wrote a, a powerful book um, called The Body Keeps Score. Um, mm -hmm. Our trauma shows mm -hmm. up in our body And sometimes it it's just yeah. for people to mm -hmm. recognize You know, where they're carrying that trauma You know, you got a lot of right. back issues all the time Let's get to the Let's get to what you're carrying Let's get to the weight mm -hmm. um, Of what mm -hmm. you're experiencing mm -hmm. you know, um, Chest problems You know, all these different Manifestations of illnesses Sometimes have direct relationship To the trauma And you know, when you go mm -hmm. through um, uh, in, in, in psychotherapy, you go through EMDR, which is you know eye, move, eye movement dis um, desensitization and reprocessing. That somatic mm -hmm. experience gets you in tune with your body, and it helps you mm -hmm. to begin to realize um, that I have some trauma in my body. You know, um, mm. I yeah. have <laughs> I've got I've got some things going on, and I need to I need to you know, number one, and, and unlock it uh, by releasing those traumatic memories. Then I would engage in some cognitive restructuring um, associated right. with that trauma. But in that process, body-mind connection starts to manifest the physical sensations uh, in the body. You know, so as you're going through that process of therapy, for those who have engaged in it and experienced it, um, as you're uncovering and that the memory is unlocking, you start to mm -hmm. feel sensations in certain parts of your body. So if you were molested, if you were uh, in mm -hmm. any way harmed physically, your body mm -hmm. will uh, start to feel 
you'll start to feel those sensations in those particular areas. And that becomes wow. a part of the healing process. But it's been hard work um, getting our folks to that place. I think, as you said, it's right. a luxury. Mm-hmm. It's been seen as right. a luxury, mm-hmm. unaffordable. Right. And there's also the uh, fear that we as black people have always been over-medicated. You know, just, there's right. been no real um, therapeutic approach of trying to counsel. We just, you know, medicate, medicate folk um, to the point where they become mm-hmm. zombies. And I think that's been the fear, too, that people have had of the mental health um, space as well. But the church I, I mean, so and much a, more. And, and a well... And we'll, uh, I mean, it's a lot of the fears, you know, when we talk about being black in America, the experimentation right. has been done on us. It, right. It's such, um, it, it's such a, a it, it, interesting thing to have to navigate as a black. Black in America is a whole thing. It's, it's a very interesting experience that I would love to, you know, in a bigger picture, in a theoretical picture, esoterically, what this was all about. I'm so interested in knowing um, the evolution of who we are as black people. I don't know what this experience is, but with the mental health, um, people, the heart, black people have so much heart disease, but we're broken hearted. We're so broken hearted as, as a people. Um, And making those connections between and putting back the pieces instead of being compartmentalized, here's your brain, here's your body, here's all of the things, integrate it and understand how they all work together and move towards healing. So as we come into, you know, it's 1035 and and our show is over at 11, the one thing I, uh, one of the things I learned um, when I was studying, because I thought I wanted to be a preacher. Oh, I did want to be a preacher. The good news, in all the things that we talk about from the Palestinian war, uh, we didn't really get talking about the black music in the church as much as I had a lot of questions. Maybe maybe you would. Join me again. Join us again on our show uh, at some time in the future. That would be great. Um, What's the good news in all of this, from your perspective? What is the good news um, that people can take away from all of the mental health, um, the deconstruction of the black church, uh, all of the things? What would you say the good news is today? Hmm. I think it it goes back to... um, what I said earlier in terms of the potential. Mm-hmm. Um, we possess the medicine mm-hmm. that is needed for the healing of the world um, and for our own healing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we are the medicine. Um, we have what we need collectively to, 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 to engage in the kind of healing work that could transform our communities and the world. It's just a matter of getting folks to realize, um, to realize that, uh, that the, and, and we have shown the world before that we have that medicine. Um, mm-hmm. We've used that medicine 
um, to change societies, um, particularly the one in which we live. And I think it's just going to take some more courageous people to realize that we have to become the practitioners of that, um, you know, <laughs> of that healing. And that, and we've got to, we've got to be the, this may be um, troubling to some people, but we've got to do the, we've got to do the root work, you know, and I don't say, I don't say root work in the sense Literally. that we're, we're doing something demonic, but we've got to, when our mm-hmm. folks did root work, they went out into the, <laughs> into the woods and they gathered them herbs and spices mm-hmm. when they didn't mm-hmm. have access yep. to modern medicine, and they and they That's laid right. it on our That's chest right. when we were full of cold. Right. You know, um, I know about it. Yeah. You know, right. you know they put they put onions hey, on look, the bottom of that, our feet. That's not that's not that's <laughs> not a law. I do that. I've been doing that for twenty years to my daughter, mm-hmm. and she has stayed. You know, we have had minimal visits to the uh, when you know when you understand literally the root work when you understand the herbs the dandelions that they want you mm-hmm. to get rid of out of your yard that offer medicinal properties that will heal you right there in your own yard. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm amen. Amen. Yeah. So, so we, we have inside of us, and I think that's, you know, that's why we have inside, we possess that indigenous spiritual technology that has worked for our people. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and what we don't know, we can tap into, because mm-hmm. inside of every one of us is DNA that goes back thousands of years mm-hmm. to people mm-hmm. who have lived before us, who can speak right. to us about what is needed. And I think if we tap into that spirituality, um, we'll find ourselves in a, in a more whole place. But the good news is. We got we got the remedy, um, and that remedy mm-hmm. resides within us. That remedy is the God, whom we 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 know loves us, um, and and is on our side. And we just got to tap into that and hold fast to it. That's the good news. And when we do that, there ain't nothing we can't we can't accomplish. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you think yeah. that in your lifetime? that you will see more of a shift in that direction? Yeah, um, I'm seeing it now. I'm seeing it now. I'm seeing the shift uh, amongst, you know, some of our, some of our younger generation. Um, I'm seeing, Mm -hmm. I'm seeing people tap into indigenous wisdom in powerful ways. Mm -hmm. Um, The, 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 the the kind of wisdom that Jesus went up on the Mount of Transfiguration to acquire mm. um, when he called on his ancestors and they showed up. Um, mm. You know, you it, it's it's that kind of um, transfiguration that's happening right before our eyes with with some of our young people, and we've got to be bold enough to mm. challenge those who want to label them as demonic. Um, as as ignorant um, to uh-huh. the fact that you know uh, what we're seeing is people connecting to to God in a different way, um, and in probably a way that we all should be trying to consider. Um, right. Uh-huh. Yeah. 
But it's not folded. I don't before, know huh? what people thought. I agree. I don't know what who people thought Sojourner Truth was listening to, but I mean, I'll, the Underground it. Railroad, that was a whole technology. That was a whole, you know, like, well, God, I mean, yeah, God through mm-hmm. ancestor, but you can't tell me no different. But they had, <laughs> and if it was good enough, for Jesus, and everybody wants to, you know, claim Jesus, who was the ancestor as well, mm-hmm. then, like, the whole entire practice, but, you know, again, that goes back for me to, to study, you know, it says study to show yourself approved, to understand that Jesus was in the temples in Egypt, where he learned metaphysics, you know, mm-hmm. and so he knew how to alchemize things, and he knew he knew what he was doing because he studied there. Mm-hmm. That's why he was he disappeared for those years. But we don't want right. that. We just want what somebody told us. And that's it. We just, yeah. Even if it don't make sense at all. Even if I can prove to you and show to you right today truth, you want to be stuck on what somebody said to you that holds yeah. no truth and no power. So, yeah. And if it's black, I am um, one of my favorite. Oh, go ahead. You said what? No, I said, and if it's black, or if it originated from black thought, oh. it don't make sense. That's what right. the world would tell you. But everything originate, but everything originated from black thought. The reality mm-hmm. of it is. So, uh, mm-hmm. one of my favorite, one of my favorite verses is when that you know, uh, David, and I use it in a context in which I like use it. But when he said, you know, I, I want to be in the land of the living when I want to see the things happen while I'm alive. I, I I plan on being a powerful ancestor, but I also want to see some things right now. I want to see yes. it manifest. And I am doing my due diligence in the arenas that, you know, that God called me to. Um, Antonio is doing his due diligence in the arenas that he called to 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 be the change, as I said, you know, everybody's looking for the change, but you are the change. You are the change. It's not going to change if you don't do it. So um, I, I want to thank you again for coming on. I I have to say I am always inspired when I look at service on Sunday. I'm always renewed in my mind in ways Absolutely. that, make me make us want like the community thing and make us want to to do our part and so i Mm -hmm. I just want to encourage you to continue to do the work and and i know it's tiring work because people are a trip and (laughs) when you are when you are doing the thing that you are called to do people are it's just a trip and so I, i i just want to personally encourage you to keep doing what you do, keep speaking like you speak and bringing the truth because mm-hmm. you people know the truth and the truth makes you free. It makes you yeah. free. You don't have a choice. When you hear the truth, you don't have a choice. It makes you free. So you are doing that work. And we are appreciative of you and the community in which you serve. Antonio, did you, 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 you want to? No, I, I mean, you, I, I 
I, those sentiments, exactly. I, um, yeah, I, everything you just said, everything you just said, I, I can total agreement with. Yeah, total agreement. Oh, before we go, how can, you know, I know you, do you counsel people? If anybody wants to reach you or be able to listen to this liberation theory that you bring, this, um, it's not new, but it is definitely not common. How can mm-hmm. people find you, reach you? How can people hear you? Yeah. Your, well, um, search, contact information, all that you would like to share with our listening audience. Well, definitely. Uh, first of all, I, I want to reiterate, brother, sister, thank you so much for this opportunity uh, to have this meaningful, powerful dialogue with you. I thank God for the both of you. I think I've expressed to you all before uh, your presence in the worship space is a blessing to me um, and brings me great joy. So thank you. Um, The uh, church's YouTube page has a collection of sermons uh, that I have preached uh, over the past uh, few years. Um, uh, Our church name is New Life Presbyterian Church on YouTube. Uh, You can access uh, those sermons there, or you can go to our webpage, www.newlifeprayersatl.com, and there you can uh, also get more information about uh, the church, its mission, its vision, uh, what we believe God has called us to, and you can also contact me uh, through that website as well, um, through my email listed there. I'm always open and available if my schedule permits. pastoral counseling uh, for uh, men, women, and families. Um, And uh, currently right now, I don't have any availability, um, but uh, that probably will be changing in the next uh, few months. Um, But, you know, always open to folks reaching out. Um, If I can't assist you, I can always direct you uh, to someone who can. Um, And that's always my goal. I want to be a resource to community, so anybody who needs assistance or help, pastoral care, counseling, uh, or who needs prayer, um, I am available uh, as needed, so please just feel free to reach out. Again, thank you, y'all, for the opportunity to be here. Uh, Thanks so much for the dialogue. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Um, We're going to close out the show with, uh, I play this, um, I'm in charge of the, the students do the announcements and uh, I played this this morning uh, we got a lot a lot of people were like oh wow that that was really beautiful so I'm going to end the show with this version of lift every voice and thing it is an amazing amazing so don't hang up before you just listen to this amazing version of lift every voice and thing as we close out Black History Month and tomorrow is Leap Day I don't know what that really means, you know, what are you guys going to do for Leap Day? Something that you can't, what, every four years? Something that you won't get to do again for another four years. You all have a great uh, great Wednesday night and an excellent Thursday and a blessed weekend.
Yo, this is singer-songwriter Antonio Magaha, and you are now tuned in to B-Radio. Peace.